Good morning, everyone. It's a blessing and a privilege to be here today. Give God some praise. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I'd just like to begin uh, by uh, having a word of prayer, and then we'll proceed. Father God, I thank you for this moment. Dear Father, to stand before your people and to share what you have to say. Lord God, we know your presence is in the room. We do nothing without you. Many prayers have gone up and are going up even now. But Heavenly Father, I pray that your word would come forth with power and anointing. I offer my mouth so that your voice can be heard. Lord God, have your way in this moment. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Of course, uh, when I got this assignment to speak today, I did not consider the historic event that would have taken place shortly before this. And I, then I began to feel a weight of responsibility and uh, a bit of honor as well, because to be the one that God uses to speak to his people today, to myself first and to everyone else, I want to give honor to God first, and then also to the bishop and Lady Carmen in their absence, thank for this, this privilege of speaking God's word today. The topic of my message today is, what language do you speak? And of course, uh, there's been a lot of chatter in the last few days, and uh, I don't need to make any specific reference. I'm pretty sure everyone's aware of this. And uh, we just want to give God thanks for what he's done, and we do submit to the will of God. Today, I want to speak to you and for several moments on several points. I wouldn't call them particular points one, two, and three, but uh, certain bullet points of, for consideration in the moment that we're in. The first one is the power of unity. The second one would be the power of spirit-infused language. And then we'll have one on the promise and the transformation. And finally, what is my responsibility? And all those are based in scriptures which I'll give you as we go along. I felt like the songs, even though I had not consulted with the worship team or anyone prior to this, that the songs, because God directs his, 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 he directs us in ways that we just can't even understand because the songs were so appropriate. And as I was singing, I wrote them down because I just want to reflect back on them. The song, Our Father in Heaven, the Lord's Prayer, Your Kingdom Come to Earth. And then again, the sound of heaven touching earth. Did you feel that power in the room, the sound of heaven touching earth? There was a sound of victory. There's a sound of the anointing and the power of God. And God is definitely speaking in this hour, in this time. And we want to hear what he has to say. Because I really believe we're sitting on the verge of revival. And we want to see God's work done. So today's message takes its place in a setting and context of two settings, which I want to spend a little time on. 
I believe most people have heard the story about Babel, or Babel, however you choose to pronounce it. And that scripture is found in Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9. It's a very well-known story, but I just briefly paraphrase it to say that here's a bunch of people given in the, in the historical record that had achieved some level of degree of success, people of the earth at that time, and they wanted to be able to show their success, to show it off in you know, public view and very visible means that we have achieved something. And so they decided they're going to build this tower. And they came together as a people. And, uni- and they, they were so, they, they, their coming together was so effective that they were able to build this mo- massive monument to their success. And they were saying to themselves, yeah, yeah, we can do this until it reaches heaven. And the scripture says that God looked down and he saw that the people were one. They were unified. And they were so successful that they would have continued to grow and, and God decided, you know what, I'm gonna, confuse, I'm gonna confuse the language because if I let them go, there will be nothing that they could not do. There's nothing that he could not do with unity of purpose. And so God confused their language and immediately the uh, failure of the project began because obviously if we're speaking language and that language is misunderstood by everyone around us, it doesn't matter if we have a good idea that we cannot proceed, we cannot be successful with confused language. And so uh, that particular setting in contrast with the setting of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, which is told in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And we read there that when the day of Pentecost was come, that they were all in one place. These were the disciples. These are the people that, that God, Jesus, had left behind and had told them that, that what was going to happen after he, he left. And so they we're in one place. Again, the subject of unity. We see the, the, this, the similarity here between what was happening in Babel and also what happens uh, when the people of God get together. And so they, they were waiting on the coming of the Holy Spirit. And of course, they, just like Jesus said, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And what happened? They began to speak in other tongues. Other tongues, other languages. And so always, I always thought about the importance of language. I myself have a proficiency in, in more than one language. And I know that whenever I've gone any place, particularly in the place that I, I love very much, France, and when you speak the language, you get treated differently because people see you as becoming one with them. And so the importance of language, we see here that language can be used for good or for evil. In the sense, in the, in the case of Babel, they were using it to build monuments to glorify themselves and perhaps glorify themselves above God and look like gods. And as a result, God had to confuse them. But the power here is, again, the fact that 
when people come together for any purpose, whether good or evil, if they're speaking the same language, there's tremendous power there. And so, back to Acts chapter 2, where the Spirit falls on the apostles, and they begin to speak. These were people who had not had any advanced degrees, they were, not, they were unlearned people, but they, because of the Holy Spirit, the, the Spirit of God, and here's where the, the point is, is powerful for me, is that it doesn't, if you're speaking very simple words, but as long as they're infused by the power of God, they have the, they have the capacity to change the course of things. They have the capacity to bring the kingdom of God down to earth. And so they spoke in other tongues, and people from all, they were Jews from all over the empire, and they heard the gospel in, a, in their own languages, in their own languages. Bless God for that. And I am so grateful to God because that same power, that power of the Holy Spirit infused language is also available to us. It's also available to all of us. We don't have to have gone to seminary. We do not have to have gone to advanced learning, but availability of God to speak his word uh, with the power and anointing. And that's why it's so important when we stand before God's people that it's not I who speak, but the word of God is speak and having its perfect way in the lives of his people. So speaking about the power of unity, can we agree here that language, the, the primary purpose of language is to communicate? And that communication is not just verbal. Communication could be nonverbal, it could be graphic, it could be other different ways, but language is the driver here. And whether the language be audible or not, the fact is that there's a communication that needs to take place. I believe that in our world today, that God wants to speak to his people. He wants to communicate with us. And he wants us as believers to communicate with others so that they can hear the word of God in a language that they can understand. What languages are you speaking? This message is primarily to believers and those who will believe, but there is something for those who don't believe as well as we move forward. What language are we speaking not only to the community, but what languages are we speaking over ourselves? I'd like for us to ponder that for a moment and wonder if I am, am I speaking a language that's going to elevate me and elevate someone else, or am I speaking a language that's going to be self-defeating? As you know, we have just come to a very, uh, very interesting time in our nation, and it would be remiss if we didn't mention, uh, have some mention of it, not because we want to um, lambaste anyone or to, to insult anyone, but God is at work. And we have been praying, this church, and I'm sure other churches and many believers have been praying very, very diligently for God's kingdom to come to earth, for God's will to be done in our nation. And this is, even though this may be a time of rejoicing, we know that there is, uh, there is also sadness on the other side of that coin. And this is a time, I really believe, for the people of God to shine, for us to begin to show the love of God. 
in the language that we speak concerning our fellow men, our brothers and our sisters. I would like to also spend some time talking about the, the power of spirit-infused language. Because as we see in the scenarios that I stated in the beginning, that the, the languages were apt, actually impacted by God. In, this, in, in the case of Babel, the language that they were speaking was understood by all, but God confused their languages. I'm sure God understood all the other languages that they were speaking, but they themselves couldn't understand it. So we see that God has power to impact the language of a people for progress or for, for stopping something from happening. And in also the sense with the, the apostles, that language that they were speaking was impacted by God through the Holy Spirit. And so while people were unlearned, while people were not versed in foreign languages, had not gone to school, they were able to speak languages which is infused with the Holy Spirit that actually had impact so much that thousands of souls were saved. Thousands of people came to accept God, accept Jesus, just from ordinary people being filled with the Holy Ghost, being filled with the Holy Spirit. I believe that it's something that I would like to see happen today as we sing about the kingdom of heaven coming to earth and for God's will to be done that we are going to need the Holy Spirit in ways that we've never seen him before. And I think this is an exciting time. It's a time for rejoicing. It's a time for us to really move out from our comfort zones and the place that we have been before to speak boldly on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Because when we are endued with the Holy Spirit, as were the apostles, we are going to be able to do extraordinary things. We are going to do supernatural things. And not for our glory, again, because God is not trying to share his glory with us. Everything we do is for the glory of God. The promise is to us. Quoted in Acts chapter 2, verse 39, the word says that the promise is to us and our children. So this is available to all of us. It's available to us to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the language that we speak coming forth, going forward from where we are now, will be impactful in the world, in the community, and the kingdom of God will come to earth. And that is a glorious day. I would like to borrow Dr. Eric Handy's method. He always, I, I love when he speaks because he, he talks in two phases. He'll say, so what? And then now what? And so the so what is the setting. We've heard these stories. We've seen these examples of what Holy Spirit uh, and God-inspired language can do. And we see the effects that can happen in the world. But those settings are in the past. What are we going to do now? What's, what's God calling us to do as his people? I believe that the cry of the earth, the cry of the universe, is, not, is to be answered by the people of God. Not because we are better than anyone else, but God, his arms are open to embracing the people that he sent his son to die for. And if we are infused, if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, we are going to be able to address the problems of the world. We are going to be able to address the pain
and the suffering that's taken place in the world and in our nation to the point where people are, people are angry and people are upset. And people have been looking to human, human means to be able to solve the issues and problems of the world. But I believe God is calling us again to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we are able to do. Actually, again, let me correct that. Not we are able, but his work will be done through us. Amen. I watched as people celebrated over the last few days, and, you know, there's so many sentiments going about. I believe that, you know, there is, again, much joy and elation, but there's also sadness because maybe some people didn't get what they wanted. And this is not, uh, uh, this is not an occasion for us to lord ourselves over anyone, but this is a, it's a place for us to be humble and to, to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us as the church. Here's an opportunity for the church to rise and to address the needs of the, the, the community. It's an opportunity for the church to begin to, to be sensitive to the suffering around us and to, to be loving and to be kind and to be gentle. In essence, to speak the language of God, to speak the language of Jesus, not things that will make us feel good or make others feel bad or make others feel defeated, but that we will speak with the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit because we will be certain that we will have the right method and the right motive for going forth. This is a great opportunity for transfer, but we need to be one. We need to be a one people. Pentecostal Tabernacle is not the only church. It is not the only body of believers. We are there's a universe of body of believers. But as shown in the scriptures, unity has to happen before any great change takes place. Even if we have the right word, even if we have good methods, even if we're doing some things in the community, but as long as we are not together as a body of Christ, we are not, our, our impact is not going to be uh, successful. And I believe that God is calling us to, to revisit that, to pay attention to the fact that we need to be unified. Some churches are doing very well right now. Some body of believers are not doing so well. And this is an opportunity for us to lock arms with our brothers and our sisters and to begin to share. God has taken us out of church buildings and put the locks on some, some, of, some of the doors so that we will be forced to go out into the community and into the world, as Jesus did. Jesus' ministry was in the streets. And this is very simple. This is not very difficult. We just become available to God and go out and do the work that he has called us to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit, of course. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus himself quoted the prophet Isaiah, saying that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon him. And I actually, that scripture, I have actually made that the purpose for my own life, that that's my motto. And each day I live with that in my mind to the forefront of my brain because I believe that God has, not just for me, but for all of us, if we call ourselves believers, that God has anointed us to be present in this moment, in this moment of our nation's history, and everybody knows what's happening in this nation. And 
This is opportunity. It's open for us. Are we going to address the needs of the suffering? Are we going to break the bonds of wickedness? Are we going to pray and fast the prayer that God has called us to pray? Are we going to speak the language that those people outside can hear and understand? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor and to speak the year of God's favor to his people. I'm excited about that. I wonder how you feel about that. If we knew that a better day is coming, if we can just be assured that something better than what we've seen is coming, and it's not dependent on human efforts, we respect those who are in authority, respect those who are given charge, but ultimately, it's only the power of God that can change the hearts of people, that can change our heart. And that language that's spoken through the Holy Spirit, when we speak in tongues, we speak in a language that we don't even understand, but our spirit communicates back and forth with God. And for those who aren't believers yet, that same power is available to you if you will accept the Lord Jesus in your life. And we will have an opportunity to do that at the end of this message. And I'm thankful for the, the, me, the, the media that we have today where we can ask people can be in their homes, be in their cars, where you can, you can hear the word of God where you are. And that to me is, again, speaking of language. Because we don't, you don't have to come to us, but the word comes to you right where you are, in your pajamas or whatever, in your workout shorts, you can hear the word of God where you are and be impacted because the Holy Spirit of God touches. It's the only thing that can touch our hearts and give us, take us to that place where we fully come to realization of what he has for us and what he wants us to do, speaking about purpose and the reason why all of us are here, because we want to see the kingdom of God come to earth. So, I have, as I was studying for this, I have, I believe the Lord inspired me to just write something that was coming from my stream of consciousness as he was downloading into me. And I want to share that with you. Um, pardon me for not looking directly at you in the camera because I know about our speakers, we should be looking at you. But I want you to hear it verbatim the way I got it. So I am going to have to look at this page and read it, read it for you. I submit that Acts chapter 2 contains the most concise outline of the actions that can bring about a world of transformation. This message is first to believers and by extension to those who will believe. Because truthfully, until the body of Christ takes her place of authority in the world, all we're going to be doing is fighting carnal battles with sticks and stones which ultimately lead us to a state of exhaustion as we consistently lose battles. Because, you see, as the scripture says, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's found in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Where we need to go in this season, only the Holy Spirit can take us there. 
Let's take a look at the early church and see what we can learn from their successes. First, recall that 40 days after his resurrection, Jesus sat with his disciples and told them about the coming kingdom of God. The account of this scenario is given in the first chapter of Acts. Imagine the sentiments in that meeting. They had seen the works of Jesus. They had walked with him, seen him crucified, and were so excited to see him alive again. I imagine they must have been thinking, our hero is alive now. This is real proof of his divinity. Maybe this time we can finally get the kingdom out of the hands of the Romans and restore it to Israel. But Jesus had bigger plans. I'm not going to do any such thing. I'm going to equip you with inexplicable power that's going to transform the entire world. And without much more ado, he vanished from their sight. What's the Lord saying to us today? There's great work to be done. There's great work to be done in our own lives, in our community, and that of our nation. We see the cries of the people. And granted, we felt like our leaders have not been doing a good job. But we have to point the finger back at ourselves. Have we been doing a good job? Have we, have we at least taken the initiative to address the issues and the needs around us? Or are we waiting for someone else to do it? The Spirit, the Word says in Spirit, when the Holy Spirit fell on ordinary people, they were able to do extraordinary things. And we need to see ourselves in the eyes, of, through the eyes of God, that He, as Jesus said, I'm not coming to restore the kingdom. You're going to do it because you're going to receive power if the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And the work that he's left for us to do, we are empowered by the same power that raised Christ from the dead. There's no power greater than that. And that way we don't have to be afraid. We don't even have to worry about are we credentialed enough or do we have the power. But all things are in the hands of God and he will work out his purpose as long as he has a willing people. And finally, as I wrap up, I have a translation of Acts chapter 2. I call it the pandemic translation. And again, I, need to I want to read it to you because this was inspired to me by the, the Holy Spirit. And I want to share it with you and share it with us because I believe it's God's word to us. And when the day arrived that God's people decided to come together in unity and love, the Holy Spirit descended on them in a manner no one had ever seen before. No matter where they were, whether in the grocery store, the parking lot, the classroom, wherever they glowed with an unmistakable light. Every word they spoke dropped like matches into gasoline, like water onto a dry sponge. 
And not only were their hearts and lives impacted by words, but more, they received empathy, compassion, love, consideration, justice, and all the manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. Among those who heard the word were teachers, professors, millennials, Gen Zers, alcoholics, the mentally ill, LGBTQ, addicts of all sorts, the incarcerated, the previously incarcerated, the unemployed, the homeless, lawyers, CEOs, and people with labels that either they had applied to themselves or others applied to them. These all heard the word of the Lord. These all heard the love of Jesus in a language that they could understand. What language will you speak? What language will I speak? What language are we going to speak in this hour of destitution where people are looking for answers? When they have seen things crumble, their lives crumble before them, and all their hopes crushed, and further complicated by a pandemic of sorts, the world is looking to hear a language that they can understand. And the Lord is calling us to speak that language. We all won't speak the same language. You see, we, God has placed us in our jobs, in our careers. He's placed us in schools, not just so that we can, like the people in Babel, <clears throat> build towers to elevate ourselves and to show others what we have achieved, but more like the people in the apostles on the day of Pentecost, ordinary people who were waiting on the promise of God, who, being filled with the Holy Spirit, they were available and waiting and ready <clears throat> to do what God had called them to do. They were endowed, endued with power to speak the language of the people around them, and so added to the kingdom thousands of souls because the power of God is indescribable and amazing. I just want to encourage all of us today that we will make ourselves available, make ourselves aware that God has need of us and that he's looking for people who he can teach a new language. That will be the language that the world needs to hear at this time. If you've heard this message and God has touched your heart, there's something that resonates with you. It sounds like I may have been speaking only to believers, but there's something for you because God wants all of us to come to a knowledge of him and he's waiting to embrace you, to embrace us into his kingdom. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, no matter what label you've been given or what label you've taken on for yourself, the love of God supersedes all of that. No matter what your belief system is, when God comes into your heart, when the love of Jesus begins to infuse your heart, when the Holy Spirit drops like matches into gasoline in, into your heart, and you begin to feel, that is the only force in the world that I know that can transform anybody, that can transform people's heart. 
And it's so authentically true that when it happens, you know it. You might ask, how can that happen for me today? Actually, it's quite simple. The Word says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe that God rose him from the dead, you shall be saved. And I want to just lead you in a quick prayer because after saying this prayer, your life will not be the same. You will actually be a child of God. You will be entered into the kingdom, knowing God does not refuse any of us. But we have to ask him in. He's a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. And saying this prayer doesn't mean you become part of our church, even though you can if you want to at some point. But you first and foremost want to become part of the kingdom of God because there's much work to be done. So if you will say after me this prayer, Dear God, I believe according to the scriptures that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. I also believe, Lord, that you raised him from the dead. And because of his resurrection, I can have life with you. And according to your word, in this moment, I am saved. Bless God. I thank you today for hearing this word. I believe that God has touched your heart. And I sense the love of Jesus in this room. I sense the love of Jesus has gone through the airwaves into your house, into your space, and touched your heart. And we want you to be part of this body of believers that learn the language of God, the language of love of Jesus Christ that is able to sense the suffering just like he did. Jesus was not in a building like we are today. Jesus was in the streets and he addressed the needs of the poor. He healed people. He clothed the naked. He took care of the needs of people. And there's much need around us today needs to be addressed. And he's not coming here to do it. He wants us to do it. So I pray that your heart's been touched and that you will begin to experience a transformation in your life because the promises to you and your children and all of us, that God is waiting for us to do his work and to have purpose and the good thing about it is not just he wants to put you to work. He wants to give you purpose and fulfillment. And there's nothing better than that because that is the only way we can live a life of joy. So God bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. At this time, I'd like to give you the closing blessing because our church usually ends, <laughs> pardon me today, you know how it is when you go up for the first time, <laughs> but God be praised. If you would hold your hands out, we close with a blessing. Hold your hands out as if to receive because God wants to bless you. He wants to bless all of us. And this is taken from the book of Numbers where God 
commanded Moses to bless the people. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. I pray that as you go forth in this week, that every obstacle that gets in the way of God's purpose for your life will be removed and that you will experience the joy of a new life in Christ. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. P.T. November is Appreciation Month. Let's not wait until Thanksgiving to express our gratitude for one another. Join us in kicking off a month-long campaign of appreciation for those in our PT community. Here's how you can participate. Think of a leader or partner at PT who you want to appreciate. Send us three to five sentences max sharing why you are grateful for them. Include the person's contact information so that we may reach out to them for a picture. We will share these reflections of appreciation on social media, Sunday service, and our website throughout the month. You can submit your note of appreciation by clicking on the link in the chat.